Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here with you this morning. I can't think of anywhere else that I would rather be. Being able to bring forth the word. It's been a little while. Hopefully, I'll be able to get something out today. But you know what? Again, I I totally agree with David. We had a long discussion about it. Uh, I would rather have a movement of the Spirit. I'd rather have the presence. It's not that the the Spirit doesn't move when I preach or the presence isn't there when I preach, but if the Holy Spirit wants to do something different, we're open for Him doing what He wants to do. Uh, uh, The sermon or the preaching of the Word is just one way in which the Spirit can speak to us and move. And so we want to be open to all the ways that uh, the Holy Spirit wants to move. Because sometimes He needs to change it up because, uh, I don't know about you, but we get complacent. We get, uh, you know, just same old, same old. And every now and then He needs to shake things up a bit to make sure that we're paying attention and being able to receive the fullness that He has uh, from us, for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy has a testimony, a little thing he wanted to share this morning, so I'm going to... Turn over the mic to him first. Randy. I did tell Matt to pray about this before he let me up here. So anyway, um, before I knew Jesus, I really had a serious thing about feet. I didn't like feet. I thought they were ugly. And I would even grade them. I had a one to five scale. And if I seen somebody walking by, I'd look, oh, that's a three. (laughs) Or that's a one. They're really ugly. And so I really did that. Um, And I kind of walked through life that way, grading feet. And And before I was married and everything, I've lived in like San Diego and different places in California and in Florida and all these beach places where you see feet constantly. And uh, kind of drove me crazy at times. And I would even announce to people sometimes the number I put on them. You're a two. And things like that. So uh, last week, of course, David, he hears from the Holy Spirit and uh, says, uh, you know, I'm going to invite you to take your shoes off and your socks and, and all that. And I'm, think, I'm sitting back there saying, you know, I've kind of come a long way in this, but I'm not ready to show my feet to anybody yet. And, uh, and I have, I grade my feet a one. I have really ugly feet. But, uh, and my dad even had uglier feet. So I inherited them from him. But I was in Nainpur, India about 20 years ago with this attitude on feet. And then there's this scripture God throws on us that how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who share the good news and all that kind of stuff. And that one really dug deep in me. I thought, come on, God, you're calling feet beautiful? And uh, so I had this thing going on, but here I am in Nainpur, we're, we're uh, working with about 12 different villages and uh, sharing the, the gospel and all that. And we had a big group meeting and at the group meeting, one of the chiefs from the village came up and said, hey, we would like you guys to wash our feet. And so, okay, okay, I think I can do this. And so there were about three of us and we got, literally there was a row of chairs we put down 
And uh, we got some water and a bucket and all that kind of stuff to start washing feet. And I'll be really truthful. I've never seen more ugly feet than I saw in that row of <laughs> villagers. I mean, they were beat up, broken toes, missing toes, uh, toenails that were just ugly and all that. And I started with the first one and took a deep breath and said, okay, God, I got to get serious. This is real for you and for them. And all of a sudden, after saying that, I just broke down. I mean, I really looked at these feet and thought what they've been through. And God just began to really speak to my heart about, number one, to quit judging feet, <laughs> which I did. I, I don't do that anymore. So ladies, guys, David, all you guys showing off your feet, I don't judge them anymore. But it really spoke to my heart. And even though I still have this problem with my feet, uh, God, God, it really is beautiful, the feet that spread the good news. And uh, it took that moment in time, 20 years ago, to get me to that place where I, I could get my mind off stupid things like, you're a three, you're a two, you're a one. So, David, that was a good, good thing, and it wasn't weird. David always prefaces everything with, this is really weird. <laughs> Meaning when he says that, I say, well, are you saying God is weird? And he is sometimes. So anyway, I just wanted you to know that I'm, I, I went through a whole deal to just get to call them beautiful feet. Uh, I, I need help with my own, but all of you have beautiful feet, I'm sure. Amen. Thanks, Randy. Uh, I think we have known each other for 20 years. I think it was in uh, the fall of 02 that we met for the first time. And uh, Randy has uh, been a mentor, father figure for me in the faith. And so uh, I really appreciate his uh, practicality and his willingness to uh, call you out uh, even when it's not comfortable. I've been called out several times by Randy and I've always... Uh, at the time, not enjoyed it, but uh, gone back to go, you know, yes and amen, that was true. And I think I may have called him out once or twice in our 20 years of, of relationship. But uh, he's a good man, and I never knew that. So you'd never shared that story around me before. So cool. You try not to. <laughs> the Lord is good how he leads us. He's opening up the box of chocolates, and we get to experience the flavors of each and every single one of us. I think that really blesses him. Uh, something that stood out about that verse, um, how beautiful are the feet of those, uh, how beautiful are the feet of them on the mountain um, of those that bring good news. Um, it is someone, not just the feet, but it is someone who has come into and is in actively walking out who they're called to be. They've come into their identity. They're on the mountain. And it is absolutely beautiful to see an individual liberated into who God created them to be. Not held back from the past. Not held back from the present. Not held back from the fear of the, of the future. But in the moment, in their relationship with Jesus, walking out who God has called them to be. It's absolutely beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful feet on the mountain 
And I want to encourage you, that is one of our uh, visions. That's why we're here. That's why we're Kairos, is to encourage you and to help you come into who you're called to be in this moment right now where you are in your at. Be who God has called you to be in the fullness. Amen? So before I get into the word, I do want to read uh, three halfway decent jokes to you. <laughs> they're not as good as I like them, but they, they're okay. <clears throat> so here we go. Number one, had to get my eyes checked, had to get new glasses because I broke them, and guess who I bumped, to, bumped into on the way to the doctor's office, the eye doctor's office? Absolutely everyone. Oh, bad, right? Okay, got a groan from Linda on that one. Well, bless the Lord, actually. I need that. My 16-year-old thinks I don't give her enough privacy. At least that's what she wrote in her diary. <laughs> that's bad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Not true. Yeah, I don't. If she has a diary, I don't know about it. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. So uh, my teacher always said not to worry about correct spelling because of autocorrect. And for that information, I am infernally grapefruit. Okay, yeah, there we go. Last but not least, which is really is my, this same thing of autocorrect. My brain said crunches this morning, but my stomach autocorrected it to cupcakes. Bless you, Lord. Okay, turn in your word with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. I'm going to share with you uh, some things that the Lord have been, has been placing on my heart. Thank you, Father. Matthew, chapter 27. We're going to jump in there here, but we're going to go ahead and pray over the word. Father, thank you, Lord, for um, all that you're doing. Thank you, Father, that you're always with us. Uh, speak to us this morning from your word, Lord. I thank you, Father, it is the movement of your Holy Spirit that comes and uh, reveals Jesus to us. So, Lord, that's what I pray this morning for each individual here, for those that are online. Father, those that will listen to this later on in a podcast, Father, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would open up their eyes to see more of Jesus. Father, speak through me this morning, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it, and I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We're in Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 1. Now, leading up to this, if you remember, this is uh, Jesus has been betrayed, he's been arrested, he's brought before the, the high priest and the council, they, uh, Jesus doesn't defend himself, so they decide their, um, you know, what they're going to do with him. Peter denies Jesus three times in the last part of chapter 26. Uh, Peter remembers Jesus saying, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And of course, Peter goes away uh, 
um, out and whips, weeps bitterly because he discovers um, his weakness. He's confronted with his ultimate uh, reality of who he is and where he is in his relationship with Jesus. So unlike um, Judas Iscariot, who never got past who he was and went out and hung himself, uh, Peter decided to eventually take that back to Jesus and, and uh, sit and talk to Jesus about who he really was. And so Peter is restored and Judas uh, uh, shortchanges himself and could have been restored, but decides not to be restored and ends, uh, brings judgment down upon himself in his own way. So this is kind of the scene of what's going on. This is what's going on in Jesus's life. You remember that uh, he had all of these people with him. A week ago, they had just uh, spent their entire time declaring how wonderful he was. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They put down their coats. The disciples were all around them. Peter had said recently, no matter if all of them deny you, I'm not going to deny you. And then he denies him. I mean, Jesus is at the low of his personal. If we just look as a human being, he's at the low of this. And we begin here in chapter 27, verse 1. When morning came, I wonder what that night was for Jesus. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel together against Jesus to put him to death. They took counsel together. They gathered together and took counsel together, talked it through, decided how best to do it, how they could go about it, which way to walk it out. They took counsel together against Jesus. Now, I want you to understand, if you are led by the counsel of men, when this happens, you're going to be discouraged. When you are led by the counsel of men only, when it's just your idea, when you're resting on your own strength, when men gather around and surround you and take counsel together to destroy you, it's going to discourage you. It will beat you up emotionally, spiritually. It'll beat you up. But I do not believe that Jesus was discouraged when this happened. I fully believe that Jesus, knowing what was coming already knew this would take place. What they don't realize in their uh, attempt to counsel together to destroy God, to overcome God, to put God into their box, what they don't realize is they're actually fulfilling the Lord's will. They're actually making God's will happen by what they're doing. They're walking right into the will of the Lord without even knowing it. You see, Jesus, in all of his authority and power, uh, don't forget that Jesus could at any moment just say, call down fire. He could, uh, you know, uh, like he did in the garden, just his presence went and knocked them all down. You know, when they came to arrest him, they said, uh, we're looking for Jesus the Christ, and he says, it's me. I'm here. I am. I am. It's me. And as soon as he said it, the power of the Holy Spirit went out and knocked all of them to the ground. Twice. Do you not think that Jesus, if he really wanted to be saved from the cross, could not have started out this meeting and just 
walked into this meeting, walked out of the jail or wherever he was being held, walked right into this meeting and said, listen, guys, I'm God. Did you notice that he didn't get all his lawyers together? It doesn't say, and Jesus gathered with all of his lawyers to decide what legal action they were going to take to counter the legal action of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of them. You know, we have had, we're a democracy. We're not a totalitarian system. We're not a strongman system. I've lived under, spent 10 years in Russia where the president had the authority and if the president didn't like you, you tended to disappear. Putin had that way. Under communism, it was that way. So I know what it is. I've seen leadership where, like it is happening right now in Nicaragua, where they are, went in and arrested a bunch of Catholic priests because they were preaching against the president. And nobody, you go in and you destroy anyone who speaks against you because you, you said it firm that what I'm saying is truth and there is no, no counterthought. So Jesus could have done that and we've had presidents, even in our democracy, who fight against what's coming against them. If you go back to uh, Nixon, Nixon fought pretty hard keep the presidency, to keep power, even to the extent that he lied. And those that were in power trying to bring him down fought pretty hard to bring him down. And it was a back and forth over, what, two years? Year and a half? It was a long time. Big fight in Congress, back and forth with all of the, the committees and all of that taking place until it finally the pressure rose enough that Nixon resigned. Do you remember under President Clinton? I was gone during that time, but it reached around the world, and I, you'd hear about it all the time, about you know, the going back and forth and the Republicans rising up to try to bring down President Clinton and President Clinton doing his best, even lying to some extent, you know, denying, pushing, avoiding. You, you know how you do it. If, if you're into politics or you're into watching, you know there's a way to do it. You try to push it out as long as possible. Uh, you uh, give half answers. You try to redirect to something more positive. You do this to keep power, and it's a democracy. You don't just eliminate those that are against you. So, I mean, it's happened. It happened under Trump. It's happening under Biden. It's a normal process when one party tries to get power while the other party tries to keep power and they push each other's down. Okay, this is pretty normal. You have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one with the authority. This is the Lamb of God who has the authority to open the seals and will have. The one from the creation of the world who is set aside. Everything that is was created through him. He is the word. So you're talking full on authority. And here he is. These guys get together to counsel against him. And he does nothing. I don't mean to say that he absolutely does nothing. He lets them do what they're planning to do because it's leading toward his accomplished goal. Which is to lay down his life for you. 
And you see here in, in uh, 27, verse 2, it says, They bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. They did three things here. They bound him, they led him, and they delivered him for judgment. And he allowed all three of those to happen. And he allowed all three of those to happen because they correspond to Luke 4, 18 and 19, which what he has brought to us. It was the example to us that I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to experience what you will go through because the enemy, I'm going to let the enemy attack me the same way he attacks you so that I can show you how to overcome and walk in victory. I'm going to take on poverty so that you can become rich. I'm going to be bound so that you can walk in freedom. I'm going to be led by the blind so that you can have sight. I'm going to be delivered unjustly so that you can walk in forgiveness. It says over here in Luke 4, Jesus declares this is why he exists Luke 4, 18, 19, it's a quote out of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are pressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The good news is that no matter who conspires against you, Jesus has the answer. The Lord can speak. So I ask you, who is gathering around to conspire against you today? What has the enemy set and has begun to plan and has begun to try to weave around you to keep you from walking in the fullness that Jesus has for you? What plans, what desires, what's hitting you, what's all coming around you, what's surrounding you? you know, David sings the song, many are they that rise up against me, many are they that say of my soul, there is no trust for him in God. They encamp around me. David sings about this kind of stuff all the time in the Psalms. Jesus declares over you this morning, good news to the poor. Poor being you understand that without Jesus, you can't do it. If you understand who you are in Christ, that though I am poor, he became poor so that I might become rich. He came to give me of himself. Therefore, of my, in my poverty, I look to him and I hear the good news and I receive the good news. So though they got together to counsel against Jesus, Jesus said, you go right ahead. You argue, you scheme, you go right ahead because I'm going to show that no matter what you say, no matter what you de desire to do, I'm overcoming so that all those that follow me can believe to overcome as well. What's counseled against you today, guys? What's the counsel against you today? What is the enemy trying to overwhelm you with? Is Jesus capable? I say he is. What's the good word of the Lord to you? If you don't hear, seek it. Seek the good word of the Lord to counsel that counsel. Cancel that counsel. Counter that counsel. 
Jesus says to not only to proclaim good news to the poor, but he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. The first thing they do to him is they bind him. They bound him. They bound Jesus. I mean, let's get real. They put ropes around his hands as if he couldn't, like, dissolve them. The guy walked on water. He spoke to the wind. Don't you remember when he was in Nazareth and they backed him up against the edge of the cliff? And he just, they just suddenly stopped and he walked out. The guy met and talked to the, the father and Moses and Elijah and his clothing became white as snow, transfigured. Do you think a little bit of leather straps wrapped around his hands really was holding the God Almighty? He was bound for your sake so that you could walk in liberty. Because if all he did was going around and nobody could bind him and he never submitted and he never laid down his life, then the enemy would have the chance and the argument to say, you don't deserve it. But because he was willing to lay down his life and be that sacrificial lamb, that Passover lamb, then you can go and anytime Satan comes and says, you know, I've got you bound, you say, uh-uh, by the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed for me, I stand in the freedom that he declared over me. He was bound, he chose to be bound willingly so that I can walk in freedom willingly. What, what tries to bind us? This is the same word, by the way, uh, you know, where it says uh, what's bound in heaven is, is uh, what you bind, bind on earth is bound in heaven. What's loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. It's the same word, just for your study. Sin does not bind you. You've been freed by the blood of the Lamb, Romans 6. You're no longer slaves to sin. You're slaves to righteousness. Now, Possibly you've grown up and the devil has lied to you for so many years that you just believe and you can confess it, but down in your heart you really believe that sin has dominion over you. Jesus wants to declare liberty to you. It does not have authority over you. And you need that switch turned on so that you can see and walk in the freedom that he has for you. Thoughts. Get pounded with thoughts. Binds me. It's hard to think because of all the thoughts that come, come rushing in and pounding. That is not the intention of the Lord for you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Renew your mind. Begin to take these thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Begin to understand the ability of Jesus Christ to overcome all of these thoughts. Strongholds being torn down. Strongholds don't dictate who you are. Do you think strongholds have the ability to bind you up? This is God Almighty. Do you think those strongholds, something your dad said over you for years, has the ability to keep God Almighty from doing what he wants to do? That's the same thing as us expecting, well, wow, they, they wrapped up those leathers six times around Jesus' hands. I guess, boy, that, that tied up God. What's wrapping around your hands right now that really has no authority to be there? 
really has no power to hold you. And all you got to do is speak what Jesus has spoken to you. We do Lazarus sessions to unwrap people because the word unwrap is the same word as loose in that what's bound on earth is bound in heaven, what's loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. It's the same word. It's the same word also in 1 John where it says, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, to loose or to unwrap the works of the enemy. It's the same word. Jesus was bound so that you don't have to be bound. So what's binding you right now that the enemy doesn't, it's a lie. It's an authoritative lie. He's gaslighting you. You believe something that isn't the truth. He's lied to you enough that you believe that it's got to be the truth because he speaks it over you enough that you're like, wow, yeah, it must be. Yeah, that is true about me. That's who I am. No, it's not. Jesus was bound so that you could be free. Generational curses do not have to bind you. Situations and circumstances do not have to bind you. Stopping and going, okay, Lord, this is the situation. This is the fact of what's going on right now. All I'm declaring is what I am seeing, what the facts are. Now, Lord, I want your interpretation of the facts. I want to hear you, Lord. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what you declare over me. Open my eyes, Lord. Because that's the second thing that they did. Besides taking the counsel, and, and I guess it would be the third thing. They took counsel, they bound him, and then they led him. This is the blind leading him who chose to be blind for you. He chose to submit himself to them and like a blind man, be led where he did not want to go. Jesus knew exactly where they were taking him. Again, God Almighty could at any moment just poof, light came down like Jesus did before Saul. The light came down and said, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the gourds? It's me, Jesus, who you persecute. This is God Almighty. In the same way, you are not blind. Jesus said he came to give sight to the blind there in Luke 4.18. Turn the page. There we go. To recovery of sight to the blind. He's giving you the ability to see. You don't have to be led by the circumstances into something that's outside of God's will for you. I can't see. I can't see. Ask the Lord. Calm down. Ask the Lord. Get into a place of worship. Lord, let me see what you see, Father. Lift me up above this and let me see. It is not intended by the Lord to lead you around blindly. He wants you to go where he tells you to go. Beautiful are the feet on the mountain because they have heard the Lord, they have seen what he wants them to do, and they go. They walk in who God has called them to be. They face the obstacles from the word of the Lord. 
Because that's what Jesus did. You remember, Jesus went in the garden and he said, okay, God, is there any other way to do this besides what I've known and you showed me to do? If it be your will, I'll do it, Lord. But if there's another way, will you show me? And the Lord brought peace to his heart so that he could walk out what he already had seen needed to happen so that when he faced the circumstance for your sake, he was bruised for you. When he saw that, he was willing to go through that because he saw the victory that it would bring to you so that when you hit the circumstances, you can say, okay, Lord, what are you doing here? Show me. Give me your eyes so that I can see this. Do I need to learn something? Do I need to declare your victory? Do I just need to bust through? What do I need to do, Lord? Show me. Give me your eyes so that I am not led around blind. Oh, Lord, help me to find my way walking right toward the edge of the cliff. But I am, yes, Lord. I see stairway. Okay, great. Yes, Lord. Okay, not this one. I need to take this one. Okay. Oh, turn back. Okay, Lord. I see that. I see that now I need to change direction. You know, just to encourage you, mostly, there's a great scripture in the book of Hebrews that Jesus, it says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So we are walking this out, oh, boxes of chocolate. Pieces of chocolate, we're walking this out. And each of us are. And so if you suffer a little bit because of your ignorance or your uh, stubbornness or lack of knowledge or whatever it is, just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, say, Jesus, thank you that you've forgiven me. I'm going to continue to walk this out. I'm going to learn from this and move on. I'm not blind. Struggling in your family right now? Lord, give me your eyes. Give me your eyes, Lord, that I walk it out the way you would in this situation. Give me your eyes. Even this morning, I, I've been dealing with a situation with my family. And even this morning in prayer, I, I got a new, a new godly strategy to deal with it. And I wrote it down and I said, okay, Lord, I will run with this. Because it felt like what you want me to do. I'm not blind in this situation. I, and I felt like that. I felt like the, the waves were just crashing around me in this situation. And I didn't know how to deal with it. It was with all my siblings and our parents' estate. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And it just weighed on me all the time. And this morning in prayer, this is what I need to do. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to walk that out. I'm not the blind being led by other blind. I'm a son of the Father. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm going to act like it. And when I'm not, I'm going to take the correction so that I rise up and be the man of God that he's called me to be and start acting like the son of the Father. And stop acting like the red-headed stepchild. Which, by the way, I'd never heard that before until I was around a bunch of Louisiana people and they used to use that all the time. Don't be a redheaded stepchild. And I'm like, what the heck is a redheaded stepchild? <laughs> it's the stepchild that's redheaded that no one really wants, that they kind of just, you know, acts like it and totally knows it, you know. I don't know why it's Louisiana saying. But I'm not a redheaded stepchild. I am the son of the father. I've been adopted in. That's my identity. You are daughters of the king. You're not bound, you're not blind. 
You're not surrounded by people who have the ability to declare over you something contrary to the will of God? No. The last thing that Jesus did here was he let them deliver him over to Pilate. He let them deliver him over to Pilate for judgment. And the reason he did was so that we could be set at liberty. Those who were, those who were oppressed could be set at a liberty. He was oppressed. He received injustice. He was oppressed. He didn't receive justice for his actions. He received injustice for his action. And he took it lovingly so that he could then set you free from injustice. You know the great thing about injustice? Rephrase that. The great thing about justice with you is that you don't deserve it. You deserve the justice. But he has forgiven you. So he's removed the consequences of your sin and your rebellion and your ignorance and all that. He's removed it. He took the injustice of it, of your sin, upon himself. So it does him no good and does you no good for you to carry out the justice you deserve upon yourself. And that is where forgiveness comes in. Receiving forgiveness for yourself is right up there with forgiving others and not letting the justice fall on them that they deserve, but countering it with the forgiveness of Jesus. I choose to forgive. I choose not to receive the punishment that I deserve. I choose to fall on the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And I choose to forgive and not carry out justice upon others. This is what Jesus did here. This is why he willfully allowed them to take counsel against him, to bind him, to lead him, and to deliver him. He did this so that we and him could walk in the good news, walk in the liberty, walk with sight, and then set at liberty all of those around us. Because he did the work. Stop reinventing the will. Walk in what Jesus has for you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me today because He has anointed me, thank you Holy Spirit for your anointing, to proclaim to you the good news, even though you're poor, that you're now rich. He has sent me to proclaim to you liberty, that even though you are captives, you have been made free. He has sent me to proclaim to you recovery of sight, that you no longer have to be blind. He has sent me to proclaim to you and to set at liberty each one of you who are oppressed so that you no longer have to live 
in oppression. You are forgiven to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus loves you. So walk in that love like we sang this morning. Let that love be the foundation that you build on. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your powerful word, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that it would sink down deep. Jesus, your mighty work. I love the way you speak, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak over each individual person, Lord. Your word declaring the good news, declaring the freedom, declaring the sight, declaring the forgiveness, Father. Jesus, proclaim that year of favor. Favor, 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 favor. You don't earn favor, by the way. Favor. Lord, declare that over each one today, Father. And I pray, Lord, over the next few weeks, as we just walk with you, bring this about even greater, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're in charge and you're powerful, Father. I bless them, Father. I bless their ears to hear, their eyes to see, their hearts to receive, their feet to move. I bless them, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.